Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the show, we'll hear from Dan Morin from Macworld Magazine with Apple Update. Also, Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, where he's an industry analyst, will cover the consumer electronics industry. And then, all about those great mobile gadgets from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Dan Morin from Macworld Magazine, and we're here to talk about Lots of fascinating stuff in the Apple universe. But I want to start with something here. There is an article that came out this week quoting the Who's Pete Townsend, referring to iTunes, which is, of course, the number one source with a bullet of digital music downloads in the world, like 75% of the market. He's calling Apple and iTunes digital vampires. What do you think? It's colorful. I'll give you that. He's just in time for Halloween, I think. Maybe that was uh, him capitalizing on, on that aspect. I don't know. I think Apple's given an indication, especially when Steve Jobs was uh, still running the show, that they really do love music and want to facilitate getting music out to as many people as possible. I don't know. It seems kind of an unfair characterization to me. It seems in some ways like he's, he's saying that they don't fill sort of the traditional role of the record labels. But, I mean, they're, they're a store, you know, they're a distributor, not, not a label, not a publisher uh, in most cases anyways. I, I don't know if that's a fair expectation to have for them. Well, that might be just too much of an expectation. Maybe he expects them to be like the music companies, which means, of course, they nurture artists, they work with artists to develop them. But even assuming the traditional role of the recording company Apple is just a store. Right. I mean, would you expect the same thing from Amazon or Walmart? You know, Walmart, we expect they're going to come there. The people, the greeters at Walmart will come to you and help you develop your musical career. Yes, then I'm sure they'll take a hefty percentage while they're at it. No, I mean, it's an interesting situation because Apple obviously has such a dominating presence in the online music and nowadays just in the music period industry. And so in many ways, I think a lot of in a lot of cases, you know, Apple's providing a solution that obviates the need for a publisher or or a label. I mean, if you can sell your own music right on iTunes without the need for a label or one of those other middlemen, then that's that can be great for a lot of up-and-coming artists. Now, it doesn't provide the same sort of support structures and what have you that a, that a label might, but I think that's a trade-off, right? I mean, all that comes at a price. If you're signing up with a major label, they're going to take a chunk out for all those services they provide, and that may not you know, be favorable to you compared to distributing your own music online. But I, I'm sure it varies from artist to artist. I, I don't know that every artist would agree with Pete Townsend, especially, you know, if they feel like, well, that that might cause Apple to increase how much they're charging, what size of cut they take. It's just not a role that I see makes a lot of sense for Apple to be in. It seems to be asking for too much. Don't we already think that the music companies are vampires anyway? They rip off the no, artists. They're not digital vampires. Clearly. No, they are analog vampires. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a weird comment, I guess, but he seems to be... I mean, that wasn't the only thing he said. He had a couple other comments about how, why can't music lovers pay for music rather than steal it? And you sort of sit there and go, well, that was one of the big successes of the iTunes store, was that people were willing to pay for digital music instead of pirating it in a lot of cases. That's why it's done so well. So it seems weird for him to one hand be to put the carrot in one hand and the stick in the other. I don't know. It's a strange thing. I like his music. I like his music, but I, I don't know if I... <laughs> agree with all those statements there. Well, you know what? That's the big thing I always worry about. When we talk about artists, we look at their political beliefs. We look at their business beliefs. 
But we buy their music because we like their music or we see their movies, etc., etc. Why do we care about their politics? I mean, as long as they're not crooked or anything, as long as they don't kill people, why should we care what they do? I mean, I guess we accept the fact that maybe they'll not necessarily be the most reliable marriage partners because, you know, show business people seem to have short-lived marriages and stuff. But why do we care if their politics are not the same as my politics? Why demonize them? Who cares? We only care that they're relatively honest people and we enjoy their work. I guess, of course, we look at people like Mel Gibson where he says abusive things and supposedly does abusive things. Maybe he should be demonized. I don't know. You know, outside of the purview of my expertise, but but celebrities, I think that's just the cult of celebrity these days. Right. We expect our celebrities to be politicians. Just because I might play one in the movies. So yes. therefore there you go. That's why we that's why we vote for them, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We've already done that. You know, obviously we elected a governor of a state to president of the United States, of course. We might have considered that with maybe Michael Douglas should be president. He sure has played one in the movies. <laughs> and Martin Sheen. There you go. That's right. Michael Douglas as president, Martin Sheen as vice president. You know, I would vote for them these days. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to say something now, which may be outdated when this show appears, but I don't care. I think we should mention it. We assumed that iTunes Match would be here at the end of October. Of course, we're already in November. Now, as I said, this may be outdated by the time you people hear this show, but Apple tends to introduce things on Tuesday, so maybe not. Tell us what was iTunes Match supposed to be and what happened. Well, it's not just a matter of us assuming. We were, we were told, Apple said during its iPhone event uh, last month, that iTunes Match, which is the sort of music part of their cloud solution, would launch by the end of October. And so what iTunes Match is, um, and they've talked about this before, obviously, both at that event and at uh, WWDC earlier this year, is their answer to cloud music services. So you buy a song anywhere, and then you can put it in your iTunes library, and then that song can be accessible on all of your devices automatically. And what's fascinating about iTunes Match is it's the one part of iCloud that is, aside from if you want to buy like extra storage, it's the one part of iCloud that's a paid service. It costs you $25 per year. But that sort of $25 umbrella fee covers a lot of stuff. How it works is it, it scans your iTunes library, compares that with the iTunes Store's catalog, and anything that it can find in the store's catalog says, all right, great, we you know just sort of check off that you own this song. And anything that it can't find, it actually uploads into your storage space. And then when you go and pick up your iPhone or your iPad and enable iTunes Match on it, you can play back anything that is on iTunes on your Mac anywhere. doesn't matter. Don't need a copy of it necessarily on, their, on your uh, iPad or iPhone. You just tap it, it starts playing. You can also download local copies if you want to have them locally accessible, etc. What What is fascinating about this is that it's basically, A, it's kind of grandfathering in uh, anything that you've acquired via other means, such as ripping CDs. In theory, pirated music. If you have pirated music, that, that will get matched and uploaded. And not only will you get a copy of it, basically, um, you know, sort of an amnesty copy, but you'll get an improved copy because Apple is using these, uh, anything that gets matched from its own catalog, you get in this 256 kilobits format. <laughs> I wonder something here, Dan. What about... The recording that has been updated, remastered, remixed. So, for example... Yeah, this is tricky. This is the tricky one. So, you buy the Beatles CDs. The original version back in the 1980s, and then a few years ago we had a remastered version. Now we have a digital version, which may be based on that remastered version or have been remastered yet again. We don't know. The key is here, are they going to check just 
the catalog number that this is the Beatles Revolver album, not matter whether it's the version from the 1980s, it's the version you rip from a cassette, it's the version that you got just a couple of years ago, or the one you know that you have online, do they consider all to be the same product? Yeah, I mean, and this is one of the questions, and we, we don't know because it's not out yet, um, at, the, at least the, as of the time that we're talking about this. But, I mean, th- it certainly could. It may depend. We don't know exactly what criteria they're using to match. I think there is some talk of them using sort of like fingerprinting of songs, um, which may actually involve the data in the song, not just looking at, say, your iTunes, uh, your tags on your, your metadata, because obviously there's a lot of potential for uh, weirdness there. Things People misspell things. People have these different versions. Songs have different names or slightly different tweaks or typos or what have you. Um, but it's also interesting in that this is all... Yeah. What I find very, very strange about this is that essentially this is a license for you to say, well, you don't have to buy your music from iTunes necessarily. For example, if I go on Amazon and buy MP3s and put them in my iTunes library and they happen to be songs that are also available on iTunes, I will get a free, I will get a copy of them. You know, they will work with iTunes Match, presumably. I um, understand that and I understand that we have Dan Warren and we'll have more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey folks, in today's fast-paced work environment, getting everyone in the same room for a meeting can be challenging, especially when they work in different locations. And that's why I use GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix. It is amazing. You can collaborate online by sharing your presentation. While seeing colleagues face-to-face in high definition, they can hide their blemishes. Video quality is so clear and natural, it's like being in the same room. And all you need is an internet connection with a webcam it's that easy. So here's what I can do. For example, on the Paracast, which I host with my friend Chris O'Brien, we live in different locations. We need to share something, a document or something like that. All I have to do is call him up with GoToMeeting, and I say, Chris, take a look at this, and he said he's ready to go. You can try GoToMeeting with HD Faces free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code PODCAST, use the promo code PODCAST. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, this time warns of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. You heard me right. The GAO is drawing a parallel between the U.S. economy, its debt, and the current Greek economic meltdown. With the debt-to-GDP chart climbing into unfamiliar territory, the growing budget deficit will rise to unsupportable levels. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American, covering the risk of Continued deficit spending coupled with an aging population and the rising interest rates spell economic disaster. It's imperative that you get a copy of this document and study it for yourself. Call me today at 800-686-2237 and I'll send you a free copy. Again, call 800-686-2237 and ask for your copy of the CBO document. Once again, you need to read this government report. Call 800-686-2237. Warning, this content is powerful and may cause others to reject your knowledge. 
If you want to know what happened to America, if you like cutting-edge information, if you need to convince someone that something different than what they believe is actually taking place, and to experience the true history of America you won't find anywhere else, get the new book, Satan's Show. Satan's Show is a hard-hitting look at what many know as the Antichrist and proof of a mind-control agenda. Learn how America was tricked into entering World War One and get over nine hours of audio and over 700 reliable web links. Satan's Show is available in ebook and audio downloads. Click the special offer for $14.99 and you'll receive both, plus Operation Northwoods on audio free with purchase. Download today at satanshow.com. You will be shocked. You will be amazed. satanshow.com. What's been the problem with phone companies? High prices and contracts that lock you in for two years minimum. Not freedomtelephones.com. Freedom telephones are designed around the concept and reality of patriotism, loyalty, and privacy. With freedomtelephones.com, there are no contracts, no credit checks, and no social security numbers required. That's why our name is freedomtelephones.com. Finally, residential, mobile, and business telephones and plans that are private and never lock you into a long-term contract. Want a low price? Residential and business plans start at only $14.99, and mobile plans start at just $39.99. Plus, every month you pay your bill, freedomtelephones.com contributes to your favorite GCN programs. Don't wait. Support the cause and get the highest quality and the lowest prices by calling 1-800-600-5553. That's 800-600-5553. Freedomtelephones.com. Portable. Private. Perfect. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. Dan Warren from Macworld Magazine joining us. We're talking about the promise, the threat, or the confusion about iTunes Match, where Apple is going to match your own music library with equivalents. And the definition of equivalents could be troublesome in their library of millions of songs. And that, like I said, what happens if you buy one of several mixes of an album and Apple has the online version, which may differ from the CD version, which may differ from the previous three CD versions? What happens? And as you say... You buy the music from Amazon. It's in your collection. doesn't matter where you got it. Apple will be constrained to match it. Do they lose money that way? Well, well I mean, they could getting, lose money that way anyway because right, people will do it. Now they're getting you to pay 25 bucks a year anyway. So regardless of whether or not you buy your music from iTunes or somewhere else, you're still paying them some money. And I think they, they consider that kind of a win to a certain extent, right? Even if I go and buy a couple albums on Amazon for 10 bucks a piece, if I'm subscribed to iTunes Match, that's recurring revenue for them, and it's incremental. So, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have a lot of overhead costs. Some of that presumably goes to the record companies who have, you know, in the same way decided, well, hey, we'll let them sort of amnesty in all their pirated and ripped music because otherwise we're not getting any money from it. Now we at least get a little bit of money from it. So the whole thing is very is very interesting, and it's it's distinct from the cloud offerings we've seen from the likes of Amazon and Google, where they specifically are dependent upon really just like here's a bunch of online storage space, 
upload all the music you want to, which can really kill your bandwidth and just takes a long time. If you've got a huge library of thousands of songs, it can take, you know, a day or two to upload all your music, depending on what kind of internet connection you've got. So, And if you're someone like Kirk McElhern, who has, what, 80,000 songs? There's, I'm fairly convinced there's nobody like Kirk McElhern, except Kirk. And just think about this. How long is it going to take Kirk to send that up there? Maybe 12 years or something? Well, he lives in the middle of France, right? So he's got to send them with it, like probably some sort of crazy postage system there. Probably has to send them somewhere else before they can get uploaded. That's rural France for you. Ah, well, <laughs> we have to see how long that takes. But we understand the advantages of iTunes Match, and we'll know once it comes out, we can test and see yeah. whether the theory and the reality works. And may just be because of the fact that Apple has already opened this for beta testers. They're running into bugs, and they don't want to release a product that isn't perfect. We know, for example, that the iCloud introduction was rather shaky, Right. I mean, the iCloud one wasn't too bad. I mean, if you want to point fingers at a really bad example, uh, Mobile Me's launch back in 2008 was a disaster. <laughs> you know, it caused all sorts of problems. Apple apologized profusely, extended subscriptions. Reportedly, Steve Jobs sent out emails to the entire company saying, this is really not our best work. Come on, let's, what, you know, what were you thinking? And there's lots of stories about him, you know, sort of castigating people in his organization for launching, you know, a shoddy product. iCloud, I think, you know, it had its problems on launch day. A lot of those are attributable to just it was, it was a huge volume. A huge volume of people were signing up for accounts and turning it on for the first time. You're going to have some bumps. It seems to have since then smoothed out pretty well. I know some people are still having some sync problems. It does not seem to have been as catastrophic as Mobile Me's launch was. So Also of short duration. Right, right. So I think there is definitely a, something to be said for the fact that Apple is saying, well, you know, let's, let's make sure that we, we'd rather launch, we'd rather miss a deadline launch a product that we feel confident about than launch with something that doesn't work right and, you know, gets people, screws with people's libraries and maybe causes problems or just looks shoddy. So I think I would not be surprised to see it surface sometime within the week. At the least, I'm hoping that if it is significantly delayed past this week, one would hope Apple would publicly come out and say, hey, it's taking a little longer than we expect. Here's our new projected deadline. Thanks for coping with us. Maybe, you know, I don't know, they have to offer any sort of huge, like, you know, apology or whatever. But just I think I think the transparency is all people are really asking for. And I don't think anybody's going to get up in the face for saying, oh, you know what? We want to deliver a better product. It's going to take us a couple extra weeks or something of testing before we're satisfied with it. I think that'd be fine. It's just a matter of when they don't say anything and everyone's sort of sitting around going, well, we were told, you know, end of October and here it is whenever and it's not ready to go yet. Well, yeah, I think that also creates problems. And maybe, you know, we could say at this point that if it shows up during this particular week that we're recording the show, we'll have an addendum with Dan. He's agreed to come back for a quick 10-minute look-see. He didn't know that, by the way, but I just convinced him while we're doing the show to do that. We'll see how it fares and how it answers our questions. Speaking of answering our questions, let's ask a few more. We have the iPhone 4S. Supposedly, it's working pretty well, but some people are having battery life issues. 
Have you folks at Macworld been tracking that? Yeah, we have been hearing a lot about this. My good colleague, Chris Breen, did an extensive investigation of his own for us, which you can find at Macworld.com, where he talks a bit about the steps he took to try and track down why his 4S was losing battery. He didn't come to any hard and fast conclusions. He found some things that did seem to make a difference for him, but he's still not 100% sure what was causing the problem. Um, there have been a number of reports, uh, things suggesting uh, there was a possibly a bug in the automatic time zone setting feature that could be causing a drain. Some people are saying location services. Uh, others are saying, you know, it, it seems to be less of a 4S problem and more of an iOS 5 problem because, and I, I have definitely noticed my iPhone 4's battery life not as good as it was under iOS 4. I feel like this has happened before with, with updates from Apple. Sometimes there's just, there's a bug or they tweak something in the power management and it doesn't quite work as they expect. I would be unsurprised to see them release, you know, 501 or something within the next few weeks that smooths that out and and fixes some other bugs lingering. But but not everybody I, is having this problem. No, I, not as far as I know. Um, it may depend on your usage, what features you're using. Who knows? And that's part of the reason why this stuff's really hard to track down. I mean, I'm sure Apple is is trying to collate as much data as possible and figure out what is at the root of the problem. Um, but it's it's you know I think I think it's you know some people have made a, a mountain out of a molehill with it. There's always problems. If a software updates fixes it, great. You know, hey, that's that's the way that technology goes. Well, the other thing is here, of course, reportedly Apple engineers have reached out to customers to install logging software so they can see which processes are causing unusual battery drains. I don't know about the validity of that. I've heard the same claims. Also, if you know, uh, iOS 5 has, I think, some extensive, like, sort of data and diagnostic built-in features as well. So I'm sure that they are perusing whatever information they can get from that as well. But they may have reached out to individual customers who have expressed problems to help them. That's fine. I mean, that's good if they are doing that. That means they're being proactive about it and they're they're trying to fix it. And I'm sure they want all these people to have good experiences with their new fancy phone. So I, I would applaud them for that if they are in fact doing it. With your iPhone 4S, how much less battery life are you seeing subjectively? I'm not asking you to do the timer thing. Jim Galbraith is a timer man over <laughs> at Macworld Magazine. Jim Galbraith is their lab director, and what he does physically is he will test products, and he'll sit there with stopwatches and say, well, it takes this long to do this, and he reports that. We have Dan Warren, who reports for Macworld Magazine. Now, after we record this segment of the episode, Apple announced they will be releasing an iOS 5.0 version within a few weeks that will fix the battery bugs and some other stuff. So there you go. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, 
The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you constantly feel run down and tired, your pH level might be low and your body could be full of toxins. If what you drink is not at a pH level of 8 or higher, you are inviting bacteria and acid to thrive in your body. But there is something you can do. Simply add 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops to your water to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise your pH balance to optimum levels. AlkaVision Plasma pH drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals in the world. Alkalizing the water you drink, ridding your body of acidic waste and toxins, and helping you regain energy and vibrant health. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline, high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family peace of mind. That's why I choose wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff, and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at wisefoodstorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree free shipping, and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS, call 855-FOODWISE, that's 855-366-3947, or visit wisefoodstorage.com, that's wise, W-I-S-E, foodstorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price, and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season. What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. So the question on the table, Dan Morin, is the battery life on your iPhone 4S, do you see it being bad? 
first I'll have to say I actually don't have a 4S. I only have a lowly iPhone 4 still. I was not one of the eligible for upgrading. However, I will say that, and as I mentioned briefly before, um, I have seen some less battery with my iPhone 4 since the iOS 5 update. I wouldn't say it's a lot, but I used to go through a full day, um, and I would rarely get below... I don't know, like 50%. And I wouldn't use it super heavy unless I was out at like a conference or something where I'm really relying on the phone all day. Um, But lately I feel like it's dropped more. And so by the end of the day, uh, I'm seeing more like I'm down to like 20 or 30%. And and sometimes I'm using it more heavily and sometimes I'm not. But it, it does seem like on average, I have noticed a lower battery levels by the end of the day. So I really do have to charge it every day. You know, I used to be able to get by. Yeah, maybe I could get a second day by. Uh, without really a full charge, but now it seems to be a little bit lower. Now, of course, this is not just the battery aging. Yeah, I mean, this phone is a year old, so, I mean, that could be part of it, but it shouldn't be... I I don't think that it should go down quite that fast. I don't think it should age that quickly, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) After after several years, I feel like I get more tired every day, but it seems like it takes more than just a single year. Over the years, you will see. You'll get up in the morning and you'll wonder, why did I do this? Why am I doing this? No, you won't. You'll keep going to the very end, like Steve Jobs did. You know, one of the things about Steve Jobs is that it's not just that he was a hard taskmaster, that he was a brilliant manager because he could egg people on or just browbeat them into submission, whatever. It is that even though he knew the end was near, he worked, I guess, until the very last day according yeah. to published reports, that the day before he died, he was on the phone to Tim Cook to talk business. Yeah, so I heard that report as well, which I think came from uh, one of their, it was someone in a, at a, like a Japanese company, I can't remember who it was, but someone talking about meeting with Tim Cook and getting interrupted by Tim getting a call from Steve. I mean, it, it seemed like from everything I've, I've heard and read from those excerpts of the, uh, the Walter Isaacson biography and from all the reports that sort of came, you know, floated around, you know, it seems like Apple was something that he really loved so it was not a surprise that he wanted to get up every day and do this work that he was so passionate about you know i I don't think anybody who's ever seen him present or you know been in his presence where he's talked about these things or seen interviews with him or whatever he's great at communicating that passion and it doesn't seem i I think a lot of people you know they credit the reality distortion field or whatever but I, i think it's less than that i think it's actually just that he was extremely passionate about something and that passion was infectious you know you couldn't help but sort of getting swept up in it and it didn't mean anything about distorting reality it was really just anytime you've ever talked to somebody who's really enthusiastic and loves what they do you can't help but being sort of caught up and in, in interested in it yourself. And I think he was just so good at speaking about what he was enthusiastic about that you couldn't help but, but sort of just fall into that feeling enthusiastic about it as well. It's all about the fact that any good salesperson has their own reality distortion field. It's your own enthusiasm. It's contagious. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it even needs to be about selling things. I've just, you know, you talk to, listen to a good director or someone talk about like, just, you know, or a musician. I mean, sure, selling things is part of that, but it's more than, you know, the the act of creation, the things that they make. They genuinely love doing the things that they make if they're, if they're, you know, a really passionate person. And so I often, you know, I'll see interviews with directors or whatever, and they'll talk about how excited they are about their projects. And you sort of get cut up in that. Oh, man, this, yeah, this movie's going to be awesome because look how excited this guy is about it. They can't help but get informed by that excitement. And also, apparently with Steve Jobs, he was subject to emotional extremes. 
you know, yeah. maybe in the real world, we take a guy like a Steve Jobs, call him manic depressive and stuff him up with pills and lose the creativity because it would dull the excesses. But in Steve Jobs, you needed the excesses. That's what I'm, made it work. You know, I don't feel <laughs> not not particularly competent myself talking about people's personalities or what have you. But, I, you know, I think that there are people who do experience those extremes, I think, can be very productive. And I think you, you hear about that a lot in, in some of the really interesting and notable figures of our times who are really, you know, moved up in these moods and found themselves, you know, so deeply enmeshed in their ideas because they just, you know, they couldn't stop and do something else. And it's, it's led to some incredible discoveries and some incredible products and, and things like that over the years. But yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation to navigate, I'm sure. Well, it's also difficult to always channel that into a productive activity. So, for example, if Steve Jobs had not succeeded with Apple Computer, even though he had notable failures, if he hadn't succeeded at Next in developing a world-class operating system, you know, one of the test beds for the Internet, as a matter of fact, or in returning to Apple and doing good with Pixar and everything, if that didn't happen, where would this guy be left? Screaming I mean, on the mountaintop in India? Really? Seriously? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, he's got plenty of other interests. He talked to, you know, in some of the things about his bi- biography, you, you sort of seen some interesting other sides of him. For example, I was always really fascinated by that story of him after he dropped out of college, going back and auditing that calligraphy course, and he became very interested in calligraphy and very enthusiastic about it and that's part of what led to the typography in the original mac being so so revolutionary so yeah i don't know maybe maybe he would have been a calligrapher maybe he would have just found some other thing that he would have devoted all his energy to well the point Um, being to channel his creative energies or his manic nature so to speak into something that was productive and by doing that he was able to excel. In this case, he was able to excel, but also surround himself with kindred spirits. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a big part of Apple's success is that it's not just about Steve's enthusiasm, although those may have been sort of a guiding, uh, a guiding force in Apple. I think that, you know, there's, I think if you talk to most people from Apple, uh, um, that you will find that they are really enthusiastic about the company and what it does and what they're working on, whatever it is. I mean, they won't tell you what they're working on, but, you know, you can tell. I've talked to a number of people I know there, and they're always very enthusiastic about what they're working on and how cool it's going to be. Um, and almost apologetic sometimes that they can't tell you about it because they want to share it with you. I think that's, that's it's, you know, obviously, as people have said time and time again, his big legacy was creating Apple itself. And I think that's uh, that's no small feat especially given a company that not only did he start, but then he brought back from the dead. And it really, I don't know, it's really a big part of that is all the people that he managed to attract. And I think you can chalk a lot of that up to that enthusiasm and passion that he brought to it. Well, speaking of all enthusiasm, there is something in the book, Steve Jobs, by Walter Isaacson, you've probably heard the quote that Steve Jobs has, quote, cracked the secret about an Apple TV. And everyone's assuming this doesn't mean Apple TV, the little set-top box, but Apple TV being a full-blown Apple-connected TV. What do you think? It's hard to say. I mean, I think, I think I'm, you know, I, I certainly believe that um, Apple is going to, I think, I certainly believe that they're going to move into that, that market um, or at least that's the sort of the next potential field for them because they've done pretty well in the smartphone and the tablet 
And I think that that's a big part of, you know, I think they need some new field. And I think, you know, Jobs clearly saw this is a hole in functionality here, right? This, the television, the, the setups that we all use with our multiple our cable boxes and our DVRs and our Blu-ray players and our game consoles. This is all so inelegant. And that, I think, for a person like Steve, clearly cries out for a solution. Um, and so I think that, you know, having the TV or, or doing something about, you know, trying to come up with a solution for that um, is the kind of problem that he, he loved. Um, in the same way that trying to come up with a you know something to fix the iPhone uh, or the the something to fix the smartphone market because all the existing smartphones were so inelegant. Um, well, you see, so- Steve Jobs operated in a black and white world where it was insanely great or crappy. So yeah. the existing phones were crappy. Apple had to have an answer. Right. The existing, existing tablets using Microsoft Windows were crappy, he had to have an answer, and I suppose you can say that the interface of every TV out there is crappy. What's not crappy is our guest, because he's Dan Warren of Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN Great Talk Radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. 
First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. This is Alex Jones with five good reasons you should consider buying a solar power generator. Number one, new climate legislation could easily double or triple your electric bill. Number two, our new energy czar wants to control how much power your electric company allows you to have. It's true. Total government control of electricity in the name of smart grid technology is coming. Number three, in some areas of the country, the power grid is dangerously overloaded. And now new socialist legislation is only compounding the problem. Number four, dangerous weather is always a threat to local grids. Every year, thousands of families lose their power from weather-related outages. Number five, a solar power generator provides powerful backup insurance and peace of mind. Folks, I really believe in the solar power generators offered by Solutions from Science, one of my oldest sponsors. You can get more information at www.mysolarbackup.com. That's mysolarbackup.com. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun, so go to mysolarbackup.com or call 1-877-327-0365. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Dan Morin of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we're looking at the Apple TV. Will Apple build their own large screen television set? I guess you can call it a 27-inch iMac, kind of, that kind of thing. But we're talking about a real TV set. You stick it in your living room. It's LCD, although I kind of think... If Apple weren't so concerned about power consumption and the environment, they consider plasma because plasma has a better picture. That's just me. All right. The question I would have, and maybe you have some thoughts about this, Dan, is it's not just having the TV but providing the content because anybody can build a TV and Apple could give them an iOS interface. What does Apple bring to the table? iOS support, the Apple TV interface, iCloud, Siri, you know, tell your TV set what you want. You still have to contend with your cable or satellite provider with their set-top boxes, which have usually pretty mediocre interfaces. So you still have that same problem. Apple has to provide everything. So does Apple try to replace your cable or satellite? What do you think? Well, I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that that, that solution's already there, which is to say, I mean, if you look at the way the existing Apple TV, that little box works, you get all your content from iTunes. They yes, but they're not giving you all the content you can get. They're no, they're only not giving, giving you a small subset. But you know, that's the problem. The problem is you can even get Netflix. Some are saying you might even be able to get Hulu, although Hulu, I guess, technically competes with iTunes. But iTunes isn't giving you all the network TV shows. Right. They're but, only giving you a subset of that, a subset of sports. But I want to watch live TV. I want right. to watch 24-7 so, cable. Do I have to deal with 
Apple and the set-top box, or can Apple find a way to integrate both? Well, here's how it works, which is you already have the model for it, which is the iPad. And I think John Gruber over at Daring Fireball wrote a really nice piece about this uh, not not long ago, um, where he talked about how maybe the future is that that apps are basically like channels. Now, yeah, you can't get all your everything you want on the iTunes Store or on Hulu or on Netflix. However, we do have a lot of examples of the the content providers making their own apps available. So, if you want to watch sports, well, there's an ESPN app which provides some stuff. I'm sure that a lot of the, you know, all the networks provide their own apps which have some limited streaming capabilities. If they're making deals with these guys to say, "Well, look, we'll have a interface on our TV, you know, our Apple TV, which lets you sort of click over and and turn on like the CNN app and watch live streaming CNN via like some sort of streaming interface, then they very well might find a lot of takers in that department. Because I have an idea. Okay. I don't know how you can do this, but I know you can do one way. Maybe you can do it both ways. Okay. Now, I already have an integrated product that I use with my TV set, which has a satellite set-top box plus Apple TV. And, of course, a Blu-ray player, that device is a universal remote. The universal remote controls everything. Now, imagine an iOS-based universal remote controlling all your gadgets, but also translating the visual input you get from your Blu-ray player, from your TV set-top box, bringing it all in, displaying it in Apple's own interface. In other words, the information comes to your screen, Apple interprets it, provides it, puts it on the screen, and then if you want to record a show on your Dish Network or Cox Cable Box, you can use Siri or you can press a button on the Apple remote or whatever, and it will then signal the set-top box to do it. So it serves as an interface to it and integrates everything into one product. I I don't think Apple wants you to have to deal with any of those things, though. I think they very much see those things as the past, and they're willing to leave the past behind and do their their own thing. And if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But sooner or later, they believe everybody will come around to their way of thinking. So they're hoping, for example, that all the networks will have some kind of online interface that they can tap. Well, I mean, not just tap, but I think they'll they'll actively work with people as we've seen them actively work with things like MLB TV and Netflix and NHL and stuff like that to bring their content to the Apple TV. I think we'll see more partnerships like that to bring more content directly to the Apple TV in a form that Apple thinks makes sense. But what about uh, your live broadcast TV? That's going to be replaced by the network stream stuff. I mean, the network stream. There are sure there do. are live streaming of events, so there's no reason it's it's not possible. I think in addition, you know, you can see a lot of this in play already with with Apple's AirPlay technology, which is to say, if you have an app on your iPad or your iPhone and an Apple TV, the current one, you can just sort of push your content up to the big screen. So it would be up, for example, your local TV station, okay, your local affiliate or independent station. They develop an app. That app is acquired from the App Store or whatever, and you play it on your iPad, your iPhone, your Apple TV, or your Apple Connected TV, and that's your Channel 5 app. That's your Channel 2 app, and they just integrate everything. I think that's what they're looking to do. I don't think they want people to deal with. Steve Jobs talked several years ago at one of the D conferences about this, and I think if you watch him talk about how much, how annoying it is to have all those boxes and all those set-tops boxes, he basically says that's not a solvable problem. And I think he's he's much more inclined, you know, he was much more inclined to, to sort of wipe the slate and say, let's start as if there is no pre-existing, you know, metaphor for what this, how this is supposed to work, and let's just do it our way. The key being then that they will find 
the content. They'll look for the content that's out there. And then they'll say, okay, this is what people want to watch. Let's find a way to bring it into our environment. Work with TV stations to build custom apps for their content, streaming content. Let's work with the networks to bring in their stuff. So you want to watch USA Network? Fine. There's the USA Network app. There's the FX Network app. There's the Fox News app, the CNN app, the MSNBC app. It's all a bunch of apps, and Apple simply integrates it smoothly into the system. Yeah, I think that's the way that they they want to do it. Well, the question I have is, will Apple want to build a full TV, or would just having an Apple TV with all these features be the answer? This way you could use it anywhere. You don't have to buy Apple's TV. Aren't TVs already oversaturated? The companies are now cutting back on production facilities. Yeah, I mean, I think Apple TV... You know, I think Apple TV, the current product is actually really cool. And I, I have one and I've sold a number of people on them just by, especially a couple of my cousins who are educators. They love the idea of this in the classroom, especially with the uh, the mirroring that they can do on their iPads. And I think that's a, it's a really cool, compelling little device where it's like you can carry it around. It's about, you know, it's it fits in your pocket and you just need to plug in like power HDMI cable to your TV, bam, you're ready to go. And so I think Apple enjoys having that there. It's always been sort of their foothold in this market to say, well, we haven't forgotten about the living room. You know, we still want to be a player there. But if they feel like they can come up with a better product, and that means, hey, we need to have our own display that's part of this, then they'll do it. Uh, I have no qualms about that. But it won't. I don't think it'll look like any TV that we're familiar with these days. I just hope they don't go the route that Bose did with their video wave TV, which costs like just shy of $5,400 because it's got a fancy trick speaker system. I don't think that's the answer. I think Apple has to be maybe a little more expensive than the mainstream brand, but not so much that people won't care. We have to see how they crack it, how they find an answer to this dilemma. But I agree with you about the Apple TV. The Apple TV, to me, is largely replacing Netflix. I'm just about to cut out Netflix completely. Uh, I still have Netflix for my streaming and I use it on my Apple TV occasionally, but I don't, you know, I got rid of my DVD plan because of their, their weird split. And so now I, if I want to rent a movie that's not on available on streaming on Netflix, I will rent it from the iTunes store for a couple bucks. It's usually available there. It's actually like four ninety nine for the high definition version, but sometimes what, but if I only rent like a couple movies a month, it ends up it's the same as what you paid for Netflix. Yeah. Unless you're getting three DVDs a week, does it make sense? And now what they're doing is sometimes you get first-run movies for a couple of dollars more. So, for example, Margin Call, this new movie about Wall Street shenanigans with Kevin Spacey and Zachary Quinto, known as Spock, of course, who produced the movie, by the way. A really good film. That movie was available the same day it came out in the theaters for six ninety nine from Apple TV and from on demand with your cable and satellite hey, provider. Cheaper than going to the movie theater, I'll tell you that. And it's a kind of movie. It's not a spectacle. It's a kind of small movie that works probably better in your home because it's an intimate setting than in the movie theater. Right, and I I think that's the way that the movie industry is is moving eventually, is that you will have, and and from what I heard in one place, although that did not open on a number of screens, um, it it provided, it had like just as good, it had like better revenue on the number of screens it opened, because people who wanted to go to the movies wanted to go to the movies. So I think that's the way we're going, is day and date releases eventually, where it's like, well, 
if you want to go out to the movie theater and enjoy the whole experience of going to the movies, which lots of people do, then, you know, you'll do that. And if you want to just watch it at home, you'll do that. And there won't be as much because that way they can benefit from having instead of having a publicity buzz when the movie comes out. And then one like six months later, when it comes out on video, they can pour all their money into having it. You know, one big publicity buzz when the movie comes out. Especially for a small budget movie where they don't have the money. Okay, Dan Warren, where do we find more of your stuff? Uh, As always, at Macworld.com. Dan Warren, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks, Gene. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Ross Rubin of the NPD Group, we're going to talk about industry trends and PC and consumer electronics. But there was one thing I wanted to mention, maybe you heard this, where Pete Townsend of The Who is calling Apple digital vampires because of iTunes. Are we seeing that kind of attitude from acts, artists, with regard to digital music? I, I don't think that's uh, you know necessarily a, a new claim. There's been um, you know a lot of uh, backlash against Apple's success with iTunes, and a lot of uh, artists and labels have sought out alternatives uh, to try to diminish uh, Apple's distribution power uh, in terms of just selling individual songs and and to some extent albums. And that's why you see a lot of excitement about Spotify and and, uh, a lot of the moves that Facebook uh, is making lately. But, but of course, a lot of those are subscription services which have... um, uh, not amass the kind of uh, customer base that iTunes has. So basically here, Apple still has, what, 75% of the digital market? For for a la carte sales, you know, and it's been the, the case for some time that uh, the studios and, and a host of uh, services such as Rhapsody, RDO, Mog, etc., uh, are are trying to shift consumer consumption to more of a of a subscription, you know, all, all you can eat access model uh, away from this idea of of buying uh, music or buying songs individually uh, and having access to um, to a library uh, of music, and of course uh, Spotify, uh, and I think probably to some extent Mog has taken that one step further. And said, "Well, we're going to 
allow you to to sample or have uh, a taste, uh, a preview, if you will, of some of those songs on a limited basis for free every month, uh, and then hopefully uh, that will serve as the um, you know the uh, the bait uh, to to turn you into a, a, a subscriber. Uh, and of course, the distribution through Facebook uh, has been um, uh, opened up a lot of opportunity uh, for those uh, for those players. And it seems now that, um, at least in terms of an aggregator, uh, Facebook has uh, has emerged as a as a serious challenger, perhaps the most serious challenger uh, that Apple has faced uh, in in the digital music business. I thought that people wanted to buy music. That's what Steve Jobs said. People want to buy music. They don't want to rent music. So what's happened? Well, well you know, I mean, you know, we've uh, we're, we're ten years uh, in, into the iPod now. Uh, and iTunes uh, is even a little bit older than that, uh, although the iTunes store came a little bit later. Uh, and um, I think, you know, you, YouTube, for example, uh, has um, done a lot, uh, whether it's been within the bounds of copyright or not, to to uh, popularize this idea of free music on demand. Uh, and Apple, of course, has had a lot of success with um, selling songs, uh, but arguably there's uh, there's a generation uh, that is uh, used to uh, getting this stuff on on demand, getting music on demand, uh, at least part of it for free, uh, via YouTube or or via peer to peer sharing or or what have you, and and the idea is. How do you how do you crack uh, that market? You know they're they're not going to be buying songs a la carte uh, at least for some time. And if you can, the 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 challenge has always been uh, making it available um, in in a convenient format because a lot of the peer to peer networks have involved a lot of waiting and searching and things like that. Uh, Spotify, of course, you know makes it as easy as uh, installing some software and. Uh, and and clicking on the song you want to hear in most cases. Now, we haven't seen it this week so far, and we don't expect it's going to come. Apple's iTunes Match, the iTunes Match is their subscription service where they match up the songs you have with what they have in their library and, I guess, substitute their version if you got your song somewhere else. Is that a method to kind of make legal the stuff that you got from the torrent sites? It's perhaps one thing that it does. Uh, it, um, it it's really about, I, I think, a more convenient way uh, to get the stuff you have uh, legitimately acquired or not uh, into the cloud for streaming. You know, and this was really the uh, the innovation uh, that uh, Lala. Uh, had uh, had pioneered. That's the uh, digital music service company that um, uh, Apple had acquired, I, I believe, back in 2009. Uh, and um, it had a, a it really tried a, a, a number of interesting concepts uh, in terms of new ways to consume uh, digital music. But one of the things it did uh, was it had a little piece of software that scanned your iTunes library. Uh, and it would uh, make those songs available uh, in the cloud uh, for free for unlimited streaming. Uh, the other idea that it had was that you could purchase 
it was interesting. They, they framed it as a purchase of what they used to call web songs, uh, which was you, you would pay 10 cents and you would basically have unlimited streaming rights to the song. Uh, that's something that Apple has not implemented, may not implement. Uh, but the idea is that that was a way that you would add to your library uh, in, in the cloud. Uh, it's also something we, we've sort of seen Amazon do, uh, where if you purchase a song, uh, a file-based song uh, from Amazon, it will automatically be uh, added to your to your cloud library. Uh, but iTunes Match um, is just uh, a real convenience uh, in terms of not having to upload your entire music library, uh, and it has been one of the points um, uh, where it seems uh, Google... Uh, for example, has experienced some frustration uh, because in its music service at this point, while it offers um, you know many gigabytes of storage, uh, you have to go through the process of uploading your entire library, uh, and that can take uh, you know many hours, perhaps even days. Now, one question I think a lot of people had here is that if you have a different release of an album, say, and we think most popularly the Beatles. The Beatles had a release in CD back in the 1980s. It was updated two, three years ago, and then we got the digital version brought to iTunes, which may or may not be the same as the remastered version available in physical CD. So when Apple is matching your tunes, I guess we're speculating, do they match the mix or the remastering, or do they simply say, oh, you've got... The Beatles, let it be, we'll give you our version. Right. Well, you know, I think if you're that particular about the versions and remixes uh, uh, of your music, certainly if you're, you know, a DJ, for example, who might have, um, you know, five or even more remixes of well, the same so song. Well, not so much that, just the fact that the, if Apple has one version, which is of the Beatles, they have one version of those songs, but... When you buy a physical CD, there are a couple of versions. Right. What do they do? Well, do they match yeah, I mean, it or not? It's, uh, I, I think it comes down to the quality of the metadata, uh, which is uh, you know, constantly improving, uh, but which is not perfect, uh, I believe, still. Still not perfect. So hopefully there is a way to, to opt out and, and unmatch uh, for particular songs or... Well, you the key know, is here, will have... you, therefore, if you have an older recording, will it just normally yes. match you up with the closest equivalent being the modern digital version? I think that's the big issue. It's not so much whether you want to opt I, I, out, but whether you have a chance to opt in. I think it'll depend. I think it'll depend on you know what they have in the catalog. Obviously, there will be things in people's music libraries that Apple will not be able to match. Yes, and I, as a matter of fact, one of our colleagues, Kirk McElhern, has something like 80,000 songs. And he says there are a lot of songs in his collection for which there is no iTunes equivalent. Sure. So there you go. There's, uh, you know, it's, it's a time saver, uh, but it's not, uh, it doesn't com- completely eliminate the process if you want to store your music library in the cloud and you know your mileage may vary and we don't know what kind of mileage music, we're dealing music with may here vary. because it hasn't happened yet we've got ross rubin of the npd group i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live
Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth slide into a recession or at worst depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. Warning, this content is powerful and may cause others to reject your knowledge. If you want to know what happened to America, if you like cutting-edge information, if you need to convince someone that something different than what they believe is actually taking place, and to experience the true history of America you won't find anywhere else, get the new book, Satan's Show. Satan's Show is a hard-hitting look at what many know as the Antichrist and proof of a mind-control agenda. Learn how America was tricked into entering World War I and get over nine hours of audio and over 700 reliable web links. Satan's Show is available in ebook and audio downloads. Click the special offer for $14.99 and you'll receive both, plus Operation Northwoods on audio free with purchase. Download today at satanshow.com. You will be shocked. You will be amazed. satanshow.com.
We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We return with Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. News coming this week that the Steve Jobs authorized biography from Walter Isaacson sold 380,000 copies the first week. Did you ever meet Steve Jobs, Ross? I have never met him. I um, stood very close to him on, uh, on at least one occasion, but, uh, but did not say hi. He didn't look at you and say, who's that lunatic? <laughs> he probably said that to me because I talked to him a couple of times. Okay. And no doubt, he probably said, oh, who's that <laughs> lunatic? Or from uh, a lot of the language used, uh, used in the book, perhaps uh, something a, a bit more harsh. Well... You know, I resemble that remark. There you go. You know, I mean, he can call me anything. Well, not, not specifically for you, Gene, but people oh, in general. Oh, of course it's yeah. for me. <laughs> you know, I am, I am paranoid city here. Of course, you know, obviously, you know, he says it's that guy Steinberg. But <laughs> now we're seeing here, and this may take you way beyond anything you want to talk about, but that's okay. <laughs> we're seeing here that already there have been some management changes reported in the Wall Street Journal with regard to how Tim Cook is doing things. What I'm seeing here, for example, is according to the report in the Wall Street Journal, Tim Cook is already doing some management refinement. I guess we expect that sort of thing. Even though he says, of course, nothing will change at Apple, it doesn't mean that even if the products don't change, that the way things are organized isn't going to change. I mean, you know, Apple is part of a very dynamic industry and times change and, um, you know, management uh, has to reflect that. I, you know, despite the uh, incredible legacy uh, that um, uh, is is being honored uh, by by Apple management, you know, changes uh, took place all the time under jobs and things will continue to change now that uh, he is no longer here. And we have to expect that because Tim Cook is a very talented operations guy, he's going to do things that relate to his field of expertise, the operations, and try to streamline things to make it run better. So we'll see what happens. See where it goes. Now, do you expect, looking forward, that Apple's going to possibly change substantially? Or do you think, well, at least for the near future, they've got all their products in the pipeline. It's just a matter of continuing in that vein. Clearly, the the companies uh, had a strong record of success over the past few years. Um, You know, it's... uh, it's um, it's it's difficult to see why they would, you know, uh, take any swift, uh, sudden turns and uh, fundamentally change uh, their their approach to the market. Yeah, we think that if it works, if it's it not broke. broke, right? Exactly. Right. It ain't it ain't broke. Just keep things working the way they are. Okay, let's just take a look at some things going on in the industry and have a question about reporting of sales. There was a report, for example, that Samsung sold more smartphones than Apple 
in the past quarter. But then some people say, well, Samsung is reporting units shipped, right, not units sold. Right. So is that, of course, the escape factor? Well, you know, I mean, there's, there's value in knowing both numbers, you know, and um, most figures that are available on a global basis uh, are shipment numbers. Um, uh, there are uh, groups at NPD, uh, for example, my colleagues at Display Search, uh, who also report shipment numbers. Uh, shipment numbers, uh, just to clarify, are the numbers that are shipped from the factory to retailers. So uh, in many cases, that is considered a, a quote, sale uh, by, by the manufacturer because they have sold it into the retailer account or sold it into um, a, a carrier. You know, um, very often, you know, manufacturers, when they talk about their customers, um, they are not necessarily talking about the end users of, of the products. Uh, very often when they say customers, they're talking about retailers, you know, people who, who buy the, the goods from them. But then there is, of course, sell-through, uh, which is what consumers actually purchase from the retailers. And the difference, of course, uh, is that, you know, a retailer could buy, you know, so many uh, thousand units of a product and if it doesn't sell and if it gets stuck in inventory you know or if it's uh it's not a successful product they end up with they, an hp touchpad <laughs> <laughs> well they, they you know they they seem to find a way to get rid of those a but, fire uh, but in sale, some yeah. cases yes but in some cases uh, uh they will make the manufacturer take it back you know take the products back um uh, so, uh, so yeah, so generally, you know, s- uh, shipments or sell-in, as it's sometimes called, uh, will be larger than sell-through, you know, what consumers actually buy. Uh, and NPD, what we're best known for is sell-through data uh, in the U.S. Uh, and, and Canada and Mexico, uh, North America. We also, um, you know, there, there are other companies uh, such as GFK, uh, which NPD is a partner with in our, our point-of-sale uh, service, that tracks sell-through uh, in many other parts of the world, uh, Europe uh, and, uh, and Asia. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the challenge there is that um, getting sort of the, the, the whole uh, puzzle, um, because it's, uh, it's difficult, much, uh, in, 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 it's difficult, a di- different set of challenges, but it's difficult to, to account for every product that, you know, has been purchased by consumers, and then there are issues around, well, you know, what about other kinds of distribution like enterprise purchases or, or, um, or through distributors, you know, things like that. So there are different challenges in looking at shipments versus sell-through. Um, but, what is um, Apple giving us? Apple generally reports shipments. I mean, most, most manufacturers, when they, when they report earnings, report shipments. Okay, so Apple's reporting then the same thing that Samsung is. I believe oh, okay. so. Yeah, most. Okay. Or are we all confused and we have no idea? I, I believe mo- most manufacturers, when they report quarterly earnings, report shipments. But the question, of course, is how close are the shipments to the sales? And that's a big bugaboo. We don't know. 
Um, that's uh, that's something NPD helps clients. With. Okay, so let's look at some other things with regard to consumer electronics and Apple, and then go on to general subjects. There's obviously a quote from the book by Walter Isaacson that Steve Jobs had cracked the problem, solved the problem with regard to dealing with TVs, either Apple TV Mm -hmm. or Apple-connected TV. I guess the question in our next segment will be, do you think Apple's going to produce their own television set and what are the problems to solve? We're talking to Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. You have storable food, filtered water, even shelter. But do you have a way to start a fire immediately? Now you can with InstaFire, a revolutionary, safe, simple, and versatile fire starter. InstaFire is a patented blend of volcanic rock, wood pellets, and paraffin wax that gets a fire blazing in just minutes. So just add water to your survival food and enjoy a hot meal in no time. InstaFire is self-sustaining fire and even starts right on top of snow or water or in any severe weather, even 40-mile-per-hour crosswinds. Sound incredible? It is. Check it out at InstaFire.com. A must for any preparedness kit, InstaFire easily lights with matches or flintlock lighters, is environmentally friendly stores easy with a 30-year shelf life is lightweight comes in a variety of sizes and starts at a buck 25 for a single pack or only 59.95 for a five gallon pail with free shipping go to instafire.com spelled i-n-s-t-a fire.com or call 888-482-4868 that's 888-482-4868 safe simple versatile instafire Hi, it's MZ with an important message for you. Longevity vitamin supplements work. Listen to Alex Jones. Six months ago, Michael Zwirling, who's on a, who's the owner of a few stations we're on out in California, big stations, said, look, Ted, believe me, this stuff's real. Try these vitamins. They're in the liquid form. They're the type you actually absorb. There's over 90 of them. Try it. Ted had a knee so bad he's about to have surgery. He took this cartilage uh, supplement they've got gone. Now, when you drink the tangy tangerine, this isn't like your normal vitamin. 
vitamin thing where it just tastes like little sweet sugar. But, I mean, it's powerful. You can taste the vitamins. You can taste all the flavors. You can taste the, uh, you know, things you've never tasted before. And I studied history. I've looked at it. I think these are the best supplements out there, bar none. Infowarsteam.com. Remember that web address. To buy Beyond Tangy Tangerine at wholesale prices or to join our Alex Jones business team, go to InfoWarsTeam.com. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Plant a healthy garden easy and fast with Organicaseed.com. Easy because Organicaseed.com offers one of the largest online selections of organic, heirloom, non-hybrid, and untreated seeds, as well as tobacco and cotton seeds at low prices. Go to Organicaseed.com, spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-C-A-Seed.com. Organicaseed.com. Remember, Organicaseed is healthy seed. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg with ross rubin of the npd group we're talking about apple consumer electronics and stuff now we talk about one product that people are mentioning as a potential for apple and that is not just an apple tv but an apple tv being the full set, the whole... A television set, yes. A real Apple television set. What do you think? Is this a reality, a potential reality? Would Apple want to get there? I, I, th- I think that, you know, it, it is something that uh, they will pursue and uh, will come out with a product at some point. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they're in a particular rush to enter the market because, uh, at least for now, uh, the story is around AirPlay, uh, and getting the content from your iPhone or iPad up to the television. Uh, and they have uh, a pretty good story to tell there. Uh, but I, and, and there are, and, and because of AirPlay and technologies like it, uh, there are some open questions around the value of, of a smart television or a television with apps. Uh, and uh, that said, that you know, said, of uh, course, a lot of the TV makers are doing that now. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, they're supporting both. You know, they're supporting DLNA, but they're also supporting usually actually two tiers of connected sets. Uh, one, a lower end tier, which is more about uh, just putting sort of some canned services on there like Netflix, YouTube, Pandora, and you get what you get as a consumer. And the other being more of a platform play where you have an app store uh, and, uh, you know, maybe it's a proprietary platform like Samsung or, or Panasonic or maybe it's, uh, it's Android um, as uh, Vizio and Sony uh, are, are doing. Uh, and uh, there's this idea, you know, again, of, of the three screens. Uh, and uh, today, when you look at 
certainly uh, Microsoft or or Google, uh, Apple is ha- has not been as aggressive uh, in terms of its its uh, television strategy uh, as those companies. And uh, Steve Jobs had described it at a, a conference a few years ago uh, as a go to market challenge uh, because in the U.S. at least uh, the the TV service provider um, landscape is very fragmented. You have many different cable companies. And I think another challenge is that uh, for smart TV in general, uh, you just don't have access to, to the core asset of television, uh, which is the, the video programming through the service provider. Now, that's the big uh, problem there, which is with the service provider right now, you get a free or cheap rental for a cable or satellite box. Right. Now, would Apple have to consider replacing that or integrating with it in some way? Well, it, it, who can who can really say what they've developed, but but historically it's been very difficult to integrate with it, you know, the probably the closest thing uh, in the U.S. has been a standard called Cable Card, uh, which, uh, Gene, I think we've discussed before, has, has largely been a failure, a very complex failure. And uh, there have been proposals in the FCC for next-generation interfaces, uh, but uh, we're, we're a long way off from them. So, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, it's time to move on and forget about, you know, the uh, in- incredible wealth of uh, video programming brought through the cable or satellite provider and just go over the top and make make the best of what you can through broadband. You know, if Apple were able, going back to our subscription discussion, uh, able to line up a 30 or $40 a month package uh, for all-you-can-eat video programming through iTunes, uh, you know, going back to the notion of, well, how people traditionally uh, acquired music while well, they've bought it, how uh, consumers traditionally acquired video programming while well, they've accessed it on a subscription basis. Uh, so if they could do that, and there was talk about them doing that a couple of years ago, uh, then uh, you know that, that could be a viable alternative. Yeah, but then you we know, get into another problem, too, where if Apple is streaming content 24-7 to people yep. watching the TV, the broadband providers, and of course many of them have their own TV services, are going to freak. Right now, Netflix uses what? 30 or 40% of internet bandwidth is just used by Netflix? Right. Okay, so if Apple's doing the same thing, it's going to be a mess. That's why I think that wow. becomes a difficult proposition, don't you think? Uh, for, for who? The cable provider? It's going to drive you know everything up the wall. I mean, in the fine print of some of those cable companies, you do have problems if you use excessive bandwidth. And if suddenly 10 million Apple customers are using 500% of their bandwidth, the cable companies are either going to want to exact a higher fee or do something. Well, exacting a higher fee sounds like good news for for the cable company, if I'm the cable company. You know, the, the, the question is, how aggressive will they be on the bundle? You know, up till now, uh, they have uh, made it difficult for competitors to offer uh, cable programming back to the television, you know, you've uh, over, over the top. The classic example has been Hulu uh, and uh, or, or these TV Everywhere services that 
or you know Xfinity, which uh, primarily offered by Comcast uh, today, and you know they will offer you uh, a, a very um, large selection of, of cable programming, but you have to be a subscriber on the video side. You know they won't unbundle. You know that. I had a crazy idea, which is that the Apple connected TV acts like a universal remote control, so it operates your cable or satellite box just like you do with a Logitech. And then when it receives the information to display, the display of channels, Apple could filter it through their own interface, through their own theme. I don't know whether the cable providers will freak or whether it doesn't make a difference. I don't see them getting involved in IR blasters and a Google TV kind of approach. They uh, they could have done that years ago. It's just you know setting it up is uh, you know if you've ever set up a TiVo, you know you know that there's a mess of about eleven different cables and it, you know and it's crazy. In, in fact, TiVo itself went away from that scheme, uh, and of course now in retail. Uh, sells only uh, cable card compatible box and the cable card forget about well you know it's a it's a limited market and uh, it, it has reduced some of the setup complexity uh, but replaced it with <laughs> complexity associated with with having to learn all this uh, arcane stuff about an all but neglected standard well certainly neglected But then you see the problem with Apple, even if Apple provides a substitute for a lot of the programming, okay, maybe they provide separate apps for each network or something or local stations. If you want to see the live broadcast on your local independent station, you still need either an antenna or a cable. So Apple can't cut the cord. There there have been a number of uh, attempts over the years to try to, you know, get around the cable companies and mix the best of of broadcast and broadband. I mean, we talked about Google TV a little bit. There was another uh, approach, you know, a couple of years ago, looked very promising on paper, uh, called uh, SESMI, S-E-Z-M-I, some really talented engineering behind it. uh, And they were looking to um, basically data cast uh, most of the uh, most watched video they would they would get in the the, um, the you know the big broadcast networks directly through an antenna, and then get like the top eighty percent of cable channels by leasing space uh, on the uh, broadcast towers of the uh, major broadcast networks and, and data casting it. Uh, and they just you know I, I think there were two problems you know they they couldn't get the licenses broadcasters weren't willing to give them up, uh, and the other problem was. Uh, uh, trying to find uh, service provider customers uh, that weren't already building out their own fiber, you know, so that that of course uh, eliminated uh, AT and T and Verizon largely. So, you know, it's very tough uh, to get around um, uh, the cable companies uh, or satellite companies in in terms of uh, video distribution. We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group for one more segment on the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born. 
calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. What's been the problem with phone companies? High prices and contracts that lock you in for two years minimum. Not freedomtelephones.com. Freedom telephones are designed around the concept and reality of patriotism, loyalty, and privacy. With freedomtelephones.com, there are no contracts, no credit checks, and no social security numbers required. That's why our name is freedomtelephones.com. Finally, residential, mobile, and business telephones and plans that are private and never lock you into a long-term contract. Want a low price? Residential and business plans start at only $14.99, and mobile plans start at just $39.99. Plus, every month you pay your bill, freedomtelephones.com contributes to your favorite GCN programs. Don't wait. Support the cause and get the highest quality and the lowest prices by calling 1-800-600-5553. That's 800-600-5553. Freedomtelephones.com. Portable. Private. Perfect. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough Local Army-Navy surplus stores are hard to find these days, but not military-issue supplies. They're right here online at MainMilitary.com. That's right, just like the state, M-A-I-N-E, Military.com. We have everything for true, total preparedness. MainMilitary.com is not a typical website. It has much more than your old surplus store. Quality military-issue survival gear like canteens, mess kits, utensils, gas masks, filters, and chemical suits, magnesium fire starting tools strike anywhere waterproof and storm matches first aid kits splints tourniquets parachute 550 cord military manuals sandbags by the bail and a huge molly assortment of vests and pouches for every need call 207-989-6783 207-989-6783 or visit mainmilitary.com that's m-a-i-n-e military.com the main name in military supply You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. 
We have Ross Rubin of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. And I think you realize in our discussion in our last segment, Apple has quite a bit of trouble ahead of them if they're going to try to produce a TV and we have to look at their goals. Are they going to say, well, we don't care about the people who want to watch live TV. We're just going to try to get whatever content we can. What did Steve Jobs crack? What solution? How do you answer that, Ross? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to know from, from the way it was phrased. It's difficult to know whether they were talking about a TV set or, or perhaps a future iteration of, of Apple TV as a set-top. Um, uh, you know, time, time, it's just one of those cases where, where time will tell. Right. And in the end, you have to also look at the fact that the TV market is heavily saturated. We're not talking about the fact that when the iPhone came to market, you had a saturated mobile handset market, but, you know, there was plenty of room for smartphone growth. But with TVs, we have what Panasonic now is suffering from losses and cutting back. The various TV makers are not swimming in profits. You know, most people who want flat panel TVs have them. They're not going to just take their three- or four-year-old flat panel TV and say, I'll get 3D. But but I, I think in some ways it is a similar situation in that there were smartphones before the iPhone, and it was kind of a nascent market, and the user interfaces were, were clunky uh, in many cases, and, and uh, the, the operating system landscape was fragmented. Uh, and Apple came in with something that was, uh, you know, radically different uh, and uh, became the basis for how companies built smartphones moving forward. You know, today I think we're in a, a similar state of maturity with respect to smart television. So there's a point here where in this particular case with smart TV, there is room to grow this market. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess if Apple can find a way. I would hope, though, they don't do what Bose does with their TV set. The Bose is, what, $5,350 or something like that? Well, you know, they, they have a history of entering the market at, at a high price tier and then bringing it down. Uh, some say the iPad broke with that tradition and they came in at a relatively aggressive price. So or ever since they discovered uh, or switched to the the subsidy model for the iPhone, right? And now they have the iPod Touch under $200. So we we may be in in uh, in, in an era of a, of a more mass market uh, Apple. You know, they've got a, a very large customer base. They continue to open stores and they're reaching out to a broader a broader customer base uh, than uh, than I think uh, they've historically been identified with. Well, we're going to have to see how that plays. Uh, An Apple branded television. I mean, sure. I mean, know, they, I guess they have, if Apple figures that they you know sell a couple of million, they're doing well. They certainly have an opportunity to showcase it in the stores, but it is a a, a bigger product physically. Uh, than um, what what they've been up to in much of the the growth in many of their growth areas, and also the with the Apple years, Store, so. where do you put a TV set? It's not really equipped for a large item like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so, some of the stores tend to be a bit smaller, but you know, you can um, even see actually in um, I think it's Glendale now. Sony has uh, started 
revamping its stores. I think it's, <laughs> if you start thinking about sort of like uh, iterations away from the Apple store, right? So there's the Apple store, and then there's the Microsoft store, and now there's the Sony store, and, you know, each degree sort of gets you uh, a little further away from the Apple design motif. But, uh, you know, that's a good example of a store in that Glendale Mall in uh, Southern California where uh, Sony, of course, sells televisions uh, and has had to merchandise its televisions and uh, is doing, I think, a you know, much better job uh, of it in, in, in its new, more open, more brightly lit store format. Well, Sony is having problems selling sets, though. We know that, too. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, that's why they're revamping. Now, Microsoft, too, in its stores, Microsoft is not selling TVs, uh, but they are uh, equipping the stores with televisions so they can uh, show off Xbox 360 and connect. Uh, and, of course, today in Apple stores, even they have flat panel TVs to show off Apple TV. So uh, in a situation so like there. that, Apple could possibly show or display one or two sets and then maybe have them all in the back room or have them shipped out well, to I, you. you know, I, I doubt they would uh, enter the market with, you know, 10 different sizes. Well, Apple they, doesn't. They'd it would like be one or two. Like a, yeah, 42 and a 55 or something like that. And hopefully affordable. <laughs> Speaking of TVs <laughs> and the way things are going, do people care yet about 3D? I mean, 3D, the price differential is less. Yes, it is coming down. I think the question is, does it matter if people care about 3D? Because, you know, increasingly uh, it is just becoming a feature on what would otherwise be a premium television set. The prices of the, and then so the question becomes, well, what about the glasses, you know? Uh, And there are uh, two major ways today to, um, to enjoy 3D with the glasses. There's the active shutter. Uh, approach uh, that um, Sony, Samsung, and Panasonic use among some of the more premium set makers. Uh, And then there's the uh, passive uh, method, uh, also called uh, FPR, that uh, LG and Vizio uh, are using. And long and short of it is that Jim Cameron, the producer, director of Avatar, which basically was very 3D craze, he doesn't like the active shutter glasses at all. Yes. Well, you know, if you're if you're if 3D is what's really important to you, uh, then uh, you know the passive solution is a more convenient solution. Uh, you don't have to charge the glasses. They're lighter weight. They're inexpensive, uh, so you can get lots of them so that your whole family can enjoy uh, the um, uh, the movie or, or other show. Active shutter glasses, though, are also becoming less expensive. Uh, lighter weight uh, and uh, preserve higher resolution um, when when watching in 3D. Do consumers notice or care? You know the market the market will show us. But when they're twenty nine the ninety nine, you won't care. Yeah, you know, certainly in the past we've seen companies market uh, effectively on resolution, uh, and of course uh, Samsung, Sony. Uh, Panasonic are all very high volume TV set makers. So is Vizio, of course. Uh, but um, you know, it seems to me that uh, at least in terms of the um, the numbers war, active shutter has has an advantage again for consumers who may not be thinking uh, about 3D at the top of their their list. So if it comes to a point where the 3D set barely costs any more than the 2D set. 
It makes sure. no difference. Why not? If they can bring the Absolutely. cost of the active shutter glasses down to nineteen ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine, it then makes no difference. Well, I, you know, I, I think it'll be a while until we're we're at those price points. But the the question is, you know, I I, I think that we'll we'll again likely see a lot of three D capable sets uh, going to become increasingly popular, increasingly uh, just uh, part of the the high end sets that uh, consumers are buying, and it'll trickle down. The challenge is, will consumers go to the trouble of putting on the glasses to enjoy the content, or uh, will these uh, will these glasses just become uh, a- afterthoughts uh, and uh, just just another barrier to enjoying entertainment? So, looking down the road, are we going to see that 3D takes off, or it will be just a one more of those inventions that doesn't quite really make it? I think the opportunity is probably along the scale of surround sound, right? Uh, surround sound, I don't think you'd, you'd call it a failure in the marketplace. You know, there are a, a lot of living rooms that have home theaters, that have multiple speakers, and yet uh, it's not necessarily ubiquitous. You know, it uh, hasn't achieved the level of popularity of, say, flat panel or, or 1080p. So, I, you know, surround sound today... Um, or home theater setups are in about maybe 30% uh, of U.S. households, and and it's used opportunistically. It's used on movie night. It's used to enjoy that cinematic experience, uh, and 3D has uh, has a lot of the same opportunity. I think uh, I think maybe the difference is that the hassle with surround sound is is setting it up at the beginning, uh, whereas with 3D. Uh, you're asked to to turn on those glasses or put on those glasses every time you want to enjoy the movie. Russ Rubin, where do we find more of the stuff you do? You can uh, follow me on Twitter, at sign Ross Rubin, R-O-S-S-R-U-B-I-N. And from there, uh, I uh, I do a decent job of pointing folks to uh, to the things I'm writing. Very good. Well, we're happy you pointed yourself our way for this episode. Thank you, Ross Rubin, for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. My pleasure as always, Gene. Thank you. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. 
With Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, we're going to explore the entire mobile world. Now, Avram, the last time you were here, you were going to go to something called the BlackBerry DEFCOM, is it? Uh, DEVCOM. DEVCOM. Uh, Okay, DEVCOM sounds like a nightmare. And DEVCOM is just for developers. But the key is here is what's happening in BlackBerry land. I mean, that recent server failure really, really couldn't help with all the other problems they've had. They're in serious trouble. The other day, their stock fell below the book value of the company, uh, which means that their assets are actually worth more than the value of the stock. Which means, therefore, that somebody who works for one of these corporate acquisition companies could buy them up and sell off the pieces and make money. Yeah, they definitely could if they could find buyers for all of it. I mean, that's the book value. Who knows what they would actually receive for the pieces of of rim that that were left. I think it would be appropriate to call the event DEFCON as opposed to DEFCON. Maybe that's why I made that mistake. Because I think a lot of the uh, problems that RIM is facing are really falling on deaf ears. Uh, I mean, when you go to these events, I mean, obviously you don't expect the event to be uh, in a cry fest. You don't expect them to come out and say, well, we're, we're really sorry, we're in trouble, help us out. Uh, but they were just completely not focused on uh, the core issues that, are de- that the company needs to deal with in order to be successful. And it's like they're distracted. It's like the ownership of the company, the executive board of the company is not reading the news. They're not paying attention to the market. And they're just kind of hanging around in their office and thinking about, hey, this, is, this would be cool. This is what I'd like to do, as opposed to kind of looking at what might be a, what might be a success. They spent the majority of the time during their keynote session talking about what a great gaming platform and entertainment platform their Playbook tablet is. Is that what people want to hear from BlackBerry right now? Duh. Right now? I mean, do they, think, do they think that they're going to compete with the PlayStation Portable or, or, or something? Uh, I mean, they, they spent exactly 30 seconds apologizing for the outage, which they didn't even really apologize for at the event. They just said it was unfortunate and we're looking into it. Uh, and guess what? You can get $100 worth of free apps from us. And by the way, all the, the $100 worth of free apps is kind of a joke because uh, RIM isn't actually, I don't, they haven't said, but RIM isn't really paying for those. They're just getting some, you don't get your choice of $100 of apps. You get to download some free apps from BlackBerry App, App World, many of which are things that you can get free on another platform. For example, Shazam, the music detection app, which is free on iOS and on uh, Android, uh, typically costs five ninety nine for BlackBerry users, and now it's free. I mean, should we throw a party? I mean, if 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 I was a BlackBerry user and I lost my email or wasn't didn't have access to my email for for two or three days in October, and because of it, I lost business. Getting a bunch of free apps would not make me feel better nor would even getting a refund for two days of Internet service make me feel better. Uh, I mean, according to one survey I read, 19% of BlackBerry users report that they lost potential business due to the outage. So a fifth of the people lost signif- believe that they lost significant money on, on that outage. Now, that's a good question here. Is that sufficient cause for a class action lawsuit? I'm not a lawyer, but if I was affected by this, I would certainly, uh, I would certainly think about 
I would certainly think about suing. Uh, I mean, uh, there is a class action lawsuit, as you may have heard, that was filed in, in Canada um, on behalf of consumers. But consumers, that lawsuit is not, I mean, that's not really dealing with the big losses that businesses have taken. You're talking about a bunch of consumers who feel like, you know, maybe they should get a few dollars back uh, for the days of lost data. I mean, if you're paying $30 a month for, you know, for data from your ISP, from your phone carrier, and you lose three days of connectivity, uh, you know, what are, what are they going to give you, $3? That adds up to be a lot for rent, but it's not a lot for you as a consumer. Uh, and it's not even a lot for you as a business. If you lost a business, if you lost money on this, if you lost a sale on this, uh, $3 is nothing. It's an insult. Uh, so it's an, in, it's an insult. Now, to be fair, as a BlackBerry user, you kind of have to look, look in the mirror a little bit. I mean, now you've, you trusted this third-party company to route all your mail through their servers, and and they failed you, and you have to ask why do you want to keep putting your data at risk like that? I mean, and BlackBerry needs to answer that question if they want to continue to be successful. Well, does BlackBerry have, have to, to necessarily run an in-house email server system? Do they have to do that? No. No, they don't. But to, to stop doing it, they'd have to admit that you don't really need this this service. Well, you don't, but, uh, you know, listen. <laughs> That's, frankly, it my opinion. You know, you don't need it. You, you really don't. I mean, this is the only – we've talked about this a little bit before, but this is the only service, the only service I can think of where you buy a piece of hardware and the company that makes the hardware, um, you have to rely on them – uh, for the lifetime, life of your of your hardware, the life of your phone. If Apple went out of business tomorrow, every iPhone would still be highly functional. There would be really, you know, maybe you'd have issues with iTunes, but you could still get your email. Google data centers could melt to the ground tomorrow, and every Android phone would continue to work fine. Except for Gmail. Gmail. <laughs> you wouldn't get your Gmail because that's provided by Google, but you would certainly get your corporate exchange mail. You know, if... Uh, again, Microsoft. If Windows Phone, if Microsoft, you know, went under, as long as your own, as long as your company was running its own email server or using a company other than Microsoft to host the email server, and I don't believe Microsoft does a lot of hosting of email servers, you'd be uh, you'd be fine. But you're actually relying on RIM, the company that made your phone, to route all of your messages and mail through their servers. Their relationship with you is forever, even if even if they're not forever. That should give people some pause. Well, <laughs> if the executive team, the two co-founders, can't even figure out amongst themselves who should be COO and who should be CEO, they can't even parcel out their duties, how do you expect them to deal with the core issues, especially now that BlackBerry is really suffering. They're, I mean, they're in bad shape. They are now. Another report came out this week, uh, in addition to the problems with their stock uh, uh, and the problems with uh, you know people losing, admitting that they lost money on the outage. Their share in the U.S. is down to nine percent. Uh, last year at this time, it was twenty-four percent of the smartphone market, and worldwide. 
uh, only 2% of web visits, uh, that is, you know, page views coming from, you know, mobile phones, come from BlackBerry phones as opposed to last December where it was 4%. Uh, so that's cut in half as well. Uh, so they're significantly losing mind share and market share. Uh, they're bleeding, and it's like someone is is fiddling while Waterloo burns because it's like all they could talk about at their DevCon was how you can play games and have rich multimedia experiences on their tablet, and they couldn't talk about why you would need this for business or what they're going to do to make this a really compelling productivity device or, or how they're going to make their phones really compelling in the, in the future for productivity. It was all about, well, we've got BlackBerry Music, we've got all these games companies lined up to port games over to our playbook, we've got these really nice interface on our next-gen operating system, BBX, which we won't even say when it's going to come out sometime next year, I guess. Meanwhile, their phones are about two or three years behind everybody else's phones in terms of hardware, and they haven't provided a compelling reason for businesses to stick with I'll tell you what, we're going to stick with (laughs) Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. We'll read each and every message. We'll explore continuing the trials and tribulations of Research in Motion and BlackBerry and lots more on the other side of the Tech Night Owl Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hey, everybody. Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now, look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge, and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. 
Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, we started off talking about the problems of research in motion. What kind of window does research in motion have before they become totally irrelevant? They have a bigger window than a lot of people think because apparently outside of North America, there are still people buying their devices. And apparently, I saw an article this week saying that Analysts in the U.K. think that there are only problems in, the, in North America are due to negative press, which seems crazy. But apparently there's a whole cadre of young people who are big on using BlackBerry's Messenger in Europe. But I kind of liken that to people in Germany listening to David Hasselhoff records or something. because You mean people in Germany still listen to David Hasselhoff records? <laughs> I think so. But I, I don't mean, want to insult I, the people of Germany, you understand. No, I, you know, I have great respect for them, but I don't understand why anyone would listen to David Hasselhoff records. And I, and I equally don't understand why in 2011 BlackBerry Messenger would be hot amongst any youth group because it doesn't provide any great functionality that you can't get elsewhere on something like Google Talk or Facebook Chat. But meanwhile, it's locked into a platform that's in trouble, that's unstable. You've seen, you know, their servers go down. When the servers went down, so did the messaging. 
unless these kids have just watched like Step Up to the Streets 3D like a hundred times, and that's a movie with that I shouldn't admit I've seen, and it's filled with BlackBerry placements. I don't understand why it's so popular with them, but eventually these problems are going to catch up to Ring because it's hard to imagine them continuing to succeed in other countries like they actually have been succeeding in other countries when they're not bringing the features that Android and iOS are bringing in. And they're not any cheaper. They're not, I mean, they're not, it's not like, oh, they're selling their phones so, so much cheaper in other countries that they look like a bargain compared to Samsung and Apple. It's kind of inexplicable to me why they're success in other countries, but they are. So there is a little bit of window for them uh, in terms of making money, but I think that analysts and, and shareholders are really angry, and I would be surprised if there's a BlackBerry DevCon next fall uh, where the company is either still an independent company and still under the same management. They're under too much pressure, and even if everything that they're planning to do works out well, uh, which it doesn't sound like it, it has a good shot. The time for them to, you know, to continue on their stock is in free fall. They're, they're, I think they're in real trouble. Sounds like a mess that's going to have to be cured. Yeah. Well, and maybe we just throw out the CEOs. That's it. You know, is it the corporate culture there? It's certainly, they certainly need somebody to come in there and take a really honest look at what the company's core strengths are. I think the biggest, their biggest problem is they are trying to be somebody else. Their core market has kind of passed them by. They've seen the consumerization of IT that, that more and more IT departments are not providing people with corporate phones and are expecting and hoping that, that their employees will bring an iPhone or bring an Android phone to work with them. Uh, and use that uh, to get the corporate email. Their response to it has been, okay, so now we're going to go into consumer things like gaming and music rather than how can we use our unique position as an expert in enterprise security and in enterprise communications to get back on top with our business customers? How can we show people that BlackBerry is the ultimate productivity device? What they ought to do, if I were them, uh, I would refocus on what are the areas that are still wide open in terms of mobile computing when no one has really uh, has really built a, a great experience yet. And when you look at that, you look at like business-level messaging and business-level communications, and there's not really a great video mobile video chat program out there. There's FaceTime. But FaceTime doesn't have all kinds of business security features. It's not great for conducting corporate meetings. There are things like GoToMeeting. What if RIM decided, okay, we're going to take what was successful about BBM and we're going to bring it into the video and multimedia age because no other platform is really doing that particularly well. And they've got, they do have, still have a foothold with, with, with large companies. That would be how they could succeed but they'd rather, they'd rather talk about the gyroscope and the gaming experience on their playbook tablet. Well, it makes for stupid TV commercials. Like I remember the one for the BlackBerry Playbook where they featured footage from Thor, and then they showed you how you could run four trailers simultaneously, as if you would want on a 7-inch tablet to see four movie trailers. What did that mean? but they still haven't bothered to fix it so you can actually get native email on that device. You think? <laughs> yeah, that's right. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, in case you're wondering what we're talking about here, with the BlackBerry tablet, it doesn't have built-in email. You have to link it to a BlackBerry. 
Duh. Right. So they still haven't resolved that over six months after after the tablet came out, uh, and they can't they can't quite decide: is this a business tablet or is it a uh, or is it a consumer tablet? They call it the Playbook. They spend a lot of time talking about the gaming and media capabilities on it. They still they haven't provided any seri- you know enough serious business software for it. Uh, but at the same time, they, uh, they have made a point of saying that it's got good security. I guess the good security is that... Nobody uh, uses it. Email on, can't be lost. <laughs> if you lose it, nobody wants it. Yeah. Now, I have to say, it's a shame, because when I went to their event, they gave everybody free playbooks, and I was very happy to get mine, uh, because it it has a wonderful, wonderful screen. It's very responsive. The operating system, the QNX operating system they put on there, does have a lot of potential uh, because it, it's very attractive. It, it's the only operating system I've seen where you can actually use the bezel as part of the interface. So you can like to to close a, a window, close an app. You actually slide your finger up off the top of the bezel. It has some really interesting, neat, neat look and feel to it. Um, but I think. It doesn't have any any killer apps, and I think that they're deluding themselves if they think that they're just a few games away from competing with the iPad. They shouldn't be trying to compete with the iPad. They should be trying to compete with the ThinkPad with Lenovo's ThinkPad tablet for the business market. That's what they should be trying. Well, to do. isn't that also the case? And we'll get to it in a moment with Amazon with the Fire, the Kindle Fire. Amazon is not competing necessarily with Apple. I don't think, because it's not that kind of right. tablet. It's more of an e-reader with other stuff. Right. If you want an iPad, you're not necessarily going to be swayed to get a, a Kindle Fire. It should hopefully bring in a new group of people. I think the Kindle Fire, if it's compelling, will get people who didn't really want or see the need for an iPad to get it. I think Kindle Fire is more along, is more of an iPod Touch competitor or a competitor to other e-readers like Barnes & Noble's Book Color, then it is a competitor to the iPad. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. We'll read each and every message. We'll have more about competition, about Amazon, the Kindle, Fire, and all that stuff. The Nook from Barnes & Noble with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockwells lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockwells is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead, has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. Whatever winter activity you enjoy, from snowmobiling, snowshoeing, skiing, or camping, there's inherent danger that you may find yourself having to stay warm. Be ready with InstaFire, a revolutionary, safe, simple, and versatile fire starter. InstaFire is a patented blend of volcanic rock, wood pellets, and paraffin wax that gets a fire blazing in just minutes. InstaFire is self-sustaining fire that starts right on top of snow or water and even burns wet wood. Sound incredible? It is. Check it out at InstaFire.com, a must for any outdoor or winter activity. Instafire easily lights with matches or flintlock lighters, is environmentally friendly, stores easy, is lightweight, comes in a variety of sizes, and starts at a buck twenty-five for a single pack or only fifty-nine ninety-five for a five-gallon pail with free shipping. Go to instafire.com, spelled I-N-S-T-A Fire.com, or call 888-482-4868. That's 888-482-4868. Safe, simple, versatile. Instafire. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, we started off talking about the problems with research in motion. It's only the first of many discussions until we see what they do with the company, if they can fix what ails them. Now we're looking at Amazon. And we have for one ninety nine the Kindle Fire. And the Kindle Fire appears to be sold as a loss leader to get you to buy content. Almost like with a printer. You buy the printer cheap, but then you pay a lot of money for the extras, like the ink. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what Amazon needs uh, to really put a hurting on other media businesses to really compete with iTunes and, and really 
potentially even hurt uh, Barnes & Noble more. It's not going to do a lot to hurt, I think, sales of hardware like the iPad. I think it's going to be seen as what it is, which is an e-reader with benefits, where it allows you to play games, it allows you to watch movies, but it doesn't give you the full immersive experience of, say, a 10-inch tablet. And it's not really so much a tablet as a media consumption device. But then the line becomes very blurry between what is a tablet and what is a media consumption device. I mean, what do, you, what do most people do with their Android or, or iOS tablets? They do a lot of media consumption. They do some gaming. For those who want to do work or do, you know, video chat or, or photography, uh, well, they definitely wouldn't want a lot of a lot of the tablets that are out there, and they definitely wouldn't want the Kindle Fire. But the Kindle Fire, I think, with its low price, is going to be a really strong entree into Amazon's Amazon's video on demand and music on demand services and is going to really put those, you know, put those services in a much stronger position. So, you know, from what I've read, they may be losing a few bucks, they may be breaking even, uh, depending on how much the actual cost of manufacturing was. But either way, it's a very smart move on their part. Okay, so the other question we have here is with the Kindle Fire, it's using a version of Android operating system, right? Yes, but not one anyone would recognize. Okay, so basically they take the core maybe of Android and do all sorts of things. That means then you can't run standard Android apps on it? No, well, you can run anything from Amazon's Android App Store. Amazon's Android App Store is pretty is pretty full. It's got almost everything in it. So, yes, you can run almost every Android app on it. But you can't run apps from any other Android repository. Well, it's doubtful. They, ha- uh, they haven't given it to us to review, so I haven't seen if there's a backdoor way to do it yet. But presumably, you wouldn't think so, because the, the goal of this device is to get you to buy stuff from Amazon. And they've reworked the UI so it does not look like standard, uh, look like standard Android at all. You look at that interface, and it shows you a set of books. It shows you your music. It looks like a media interface. It does not look like you know, an operating system for a full device that you do everything with. Does it hurt the situation with Android in the sense of more fragmentation? Because now you have another piece of competition that may replace to some people what an Android tablet might have done because you can run Android apps from Amazon's repository. When you say it hurts Android, it's it's hard to say who's being hurt. Uh, Android developers are being helped because they'll get, be able to get into the Amazon as long as they put their apps up into the Amazon App Store. They can develop those apps and they can work on any Android 2.3 or above platform because that's what it has. It has a, uh, the version of Android 2.2 or 2.3 on there um, that's been heavily customized. It's not um, Android Honeycomb or, or Android Ice Cream Sandwich or one of those newer Androids. So will they soon have Android Ben & Jerry's? I mean, these you know, names don't make any sense to me. I mean, <laughs> there's a specific Ben & Jerry ice cream that I won't mention on the air. But you know what I'm talking about. Imagine if they named it after that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll come up with something. I mean, 
everyone thinks that after Ice Cream Sandwich, which is the brand new uh, Android 4.0, uh, which is for tablets, which is supposed to bring make tablets and phones be uh, have a more similar inter- interface to each other, uh, the next one's supposed to be Jelly Bean, and then we can only guess what the K, uh, the K name dessert will be and the L name dessert will be. Uh, but I got it. I, I got it. The other day, Android Kanish. <laughs> it depends if you consider that to be a dessert or not. <laughs> Remember, it has to be. It has to be for after your meal. So, hmm. okay. Uh, Canadla. Uh, and right, Android Krispy Kreme. <laughs> uh, I have to look through the entire Jewish food dictionary to find something that's the equivalent for Android. Uh, but. Uh, well, you know, if they go long enough, there could definitely be an Android Rebola. Uh It just might be another, you know, twelve months before they get before they jump from uh, I to R. Uh, it, it really has the pace of development on Android has been going extremely fast, and for some people, that's a problem. Uh, but I kind of see that as great progress. You just have to be willing to realize that your phone or your tablet might never get updated. And that is an interesting question I raised earlier. And obviously we'll get more about the Amazon Kindle fire once it comes out and once Avram and his crew have a chance to review it. Okay, so another issue here. The fact, of course, is if you buy an Android-powered device, you don't know you'll ever get the software updates. And now let's take a look at the other side of the street. We have the iPhone 4S, and we find some people are having problems where battery life is really suffering, and Apple's going to push an update in a few weeks to fix the problem. They found a few bugs. All right. Now, if a problem like that occurred with an Android device, and I have no idea if there is such a problem, how will the people who bought those devices get the updates if they're not assured of getting any updates? You better hope that your uh, carrier stands up for you. Uh, Fat chance. But they probably won't. Uh, a study came out recently that said 7 out of 10 Android phones were not running the latest version of Android when they came out and never and never got and were never current. So I think you have to look at how popular your phone is and what the sales life of your phone is, which you obviously can't know uh, when you buy it. Uh, so, or it's hard to know when you buy it. So, you know, some with some of the cheaper phones that come out, uh, especially if you're getting something that's considered to be a budget phone or a middle mid-range phone, uh, the carrier and the manufacturer don't seem to care very much about, and very often don't update as much. If you get what's considered to be a high-end flagship phone, like you take, for example, the HTC Evo 4G, which came out last year on Sprint. That thing's been updated a bunch of times uh, because I think they're even still selling it a year after it came out because it's so popular. So the reason, I, the reasoning I think is if they see that this phone is something that they're going to keep stocking for a while and keep selling to new customers, then they'll update it. Once they have your money, they really don't care, care about you. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to say it. It's just the facts. Um, the carrier is not motivated, and the handset maker is not motivated, and Google is not involved uh, to help you get an Android update after your phone has come out. Uh, after you know, their their opinion is okay. So we have you signed up for 24 months on contract. 
That's usually what people do is buy, buy these phones in 24-month contracts. Uh, so your phone is one or two versions behind. Eh, you, know, well, we, you know, we don't want your money for another 24 months. You're stuck with us. And at that point, well, you know, you're not going to decide I'm switching from Verizon to, uh, to Sprint because I didn't get an update or I'm switching from I'm never buying a Samsung phone again. I'm going to only buy LG because I got an because update. Because you have a contract, and if you break the contract, you pay an arm, a leg, and a foot, and that's a larger arm, leg, and foot than it used to be. What also is larger than it used to be is our forums at forum.technighthow.com. Once again, that's forum.technighthow.com. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Howdy folks, Pharmacist Ben here, nutritional pharmacist and skincare chemist. If you've heard me on my daily health and wellness program, The Bright Side, you know I'm on a mission to spread the good news about the power of nutritional supplementation to correct your health care challenges and get you feeling vital and healthy once again. I want you to call 877-279-9422 and check out the powerful, affordable line of nutritional products from Longevity, the ones I take and the ones I recommend. That's 877-279-9422 or go to www.gcnminerals.com. Why simply mask your symptoms with toxic pharmaceutical drugs when you can address causes with vitamins and minerals? I suggest the Healthy Start Pack. It gives your body the essential 90 nutrients it needs. Most people notice a difference right away. You can sign up to help me spread the good news of health and wellness without drugs and maybe make a little money too. And while you're there, don't forget to check out my important video message. That's GCNminerals.com or call 877-279-9422. And remember, friends, good nutrition is good medicine. Survival of the fittest. In any and all situations, survival is your number one priority. That requires being tough and thinking smart. And the folks at Freeze Dry Guy are going to help you do just that. They have the long-range patrol ration entrees, what they call the brick pack. When you're in survival mode, it is absolutely the best item for your survival pack or bug out bag. You can go farther, faster, and carry more food with the LRP cold weather ration entrees. Not only do these long-lasting, durable entrees help sustain you or your family through the harshest environment or situation, they are by far the most delicious of their kind. No contest. With a variety of tasty entrees, you can't beat the LRP Brick Packs. 
Let Freeze Dry Guy help you in your survival situations. Go to freezedryguy.com. That's freezedryguy.com. Or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We're back with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl live. So we're focusing on the fact that in the Android land, you can't be assured of getting the update. So if you need a security update, will you get it? If you need an update to fix poor battery life, will you get it? Now, you guys tested the iPhone 4S. Any problems with the battery? Not in our battery test. Now, we know that Apple has admitted that there's a problem, and the problem seems to have to do with all the things that are going on in the background, your notifications, things like that. When we run battery tests, we tend to try and level the playing field among different phones that have different services by turning off background data and just having the phone surf the web uh, continuously at about 40% brightness until it dies. And, you know, in our tests, the iPhone 4S did about the same as the iPhone 4. It got seven and a half hours of battery life. The real problems that people are experiencing seem to have to do with all the different notifications that they have running now in iOS 5. It's really a software problem. So the answer to the battery woes for now is turn off some of these functions, you know, and Go check your email manually. Don't do push email. Look at, you know, look at what you have running in the background. Turn off your Wi-Fi signal. Turn off your GPS. Um, that, that's kind of common sense battery stuff uh, that takes place on a lot of phones. I recently got a new Android phone for myself, and I was horrified uh, by the battery life. It was lasting, you know, like four hours on the default battery, and then with the extended battery, maybe six or seven maybe six or seven hours dying and not six or seven hours necessarily of intense use, you know, a lot of the time in my pocket. And then I found, okay, if I turn if I turn off Google Talk, which was making me available so I could get, you know, G Talk into messages from people at any time of the day, my battery would last like three or four hours longer. Whoa, I didn't even realize it was on. It was just on, you know, it didn't even tell me it was on. So background data is your biggest enemy when it comes to battery life. Isn't that the reason why Apple, when they devise a multitasking system for the iPhone, they really compartmentalized 
the way it was done because runaway processes, too many things going on, could really kill battery life. This is the reason they did what they did. Yeah, absolutely. And on the other hand, one reason why I personally prefer the Android platform is it's up to me to decide if I want to kill my battery that way. I understand, Uh, but the average user doesn't want to know about that. You're a geek like I am, so we can worry about processes. The average person just wants to make the phone do things. They don't want to worry about that. They don't want to worry about, well, if we kill this process, the battery will last 30% longer. It's understandable, and that's why Apple, having a very catered experience, is also able to give people you know, yearly updates to their operating system because you're dealing with maybe two or three phones that are being updated, the iPhone 4S, the iPhone 4, maybe the 3GS uh, that are being updated. You're dealing with Apple wanting to control the user experience because Apple actually has a relationship directly with the consumer um, that the other the other phone manufacturers don't, and the carriers really don't either. I mean, you can walk into an Apple store and buy an iPhone. Where's the Samsung store where you can walk in and buy a Galaxy S2? Where's the HTC store where you can walk in and buy and buy an Evo? You can't. You've got to buy it from Sprint. You've got to buy it from Verizon. And what happens is that the carriers aren't really good hardware people. They don't really care about your operating system. They don't care about your, uh, you know, about your phone. They care about the fact that you pay them, that you're paying them every month for the service. They care if you call and say, "Gee, I'm getting a lot of drop calls." They might care about that because you're not able to use their service. But the phone, you know, it's like with an iPhone. Apple is always there to support that iPhone. With these other phones, if you want to call HTC or Samsung, they'll say, go away, leave me alone. You bought the phone from Verizon. Right. It's a pass-the-buck mentality because really the carrier is not in the best position to support the device. They don't know, any, they don't know enough about it, uh, and I don't think they could know enough about it because they're selling a whole lot of these different devices. There is some degree of fragmentation, it's true, right? I mean, you have an HTC phone that has Sense on it. You've got a Samsung phone that has TouchWiz on it that goes on top of the Android software. But even if they were total experts, this isn't their core strength, and they're not financially motivated uh, to, help you, to help you with the phone. Uh, every year at Laptop, we do a carrier support uh, test. And we do phone calls, and we go into the stores of the four major U.S. carriers, um, and we and we ask them support questions like how, like my phone is not getting long enough battery life. How do I get longer battery life? Uh, I can't I can't get the pictures off my phone or onto my computer. And across the board, these carriers are terrible at giving answers. They give you inconsistent answers. You might run into one person that's smart and another who's dumb. They might say things like there's no way to make your battery life longer. They might say things like you don't, you shouldn't have too many icons on your screen, and that's the problem. You're talking about people who are not, are not technically astute. This is not the genius. They're just sales so clerks. They're just sales not to clerks. insult people so, who sell products. They're cashiers, basically. It's like you go to Walmart or your favorite supermarket, a Kroger supermarket, or Waldbaums. They still have Waldbaums in New York? Whatever. You go to the supermarket, you go to the cashier, 
You don't ask for support from the radio you got in the electronics department. They don't know. They're not supposed to know. This is not their job. Right. And that, that's the thing is, what really ought to happen is that Samsung, HTC, all the companies that manufacture the phone should own that relationship. But they don't see you as their customer. They see Verizon as their customer. They see T-Mobile as their customer. So I think that's the real problem. In other countries where people buy unlocked phones and they're getting the phone and then they have a choice of carriers, they can move around between carriers, the carrier support is better. So it's, it, it really has to do with who's running the system. Could you imagine if you had to buy your TV from the cable company? Uh, what that would be like. Do you think that Comcast or Time Warner or whoever uh, your cable is or DirecTV for satellite, whatever, uh, would do a good job of supporting your television set? I doubt it. Well, of course not. I mean, you say, look, I have a Panasonic TV. I can't pick up anything. They'll deal with the cable box. They'll deal with the reception. I can't get channel 239. It's not coming in. Sci-fi, it's flickering. They'll deal with that. Your TV set? Call Panasonic, call your dealer, call Best Buy. Right. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of an inherent problem is who owns the relationship with, with the consumer. And in the case of Android, it's supposedly the carrier who's not really, not really competent to, to service those devices. So who's going to stand up for those users and say, these users need Android gingerbread now? The, the company that should be standing up for them is Google. Google should be standing up for them, but the, once again, Google's interest is really in kind of helping empower the handset makers. So Their interest you know, is really to helping well. you click on the ads so they get paid. You know, you click on the ads, the cash register rings. If the cash register doesn't ring, well, they're not making money. Hey, tell us where we can get more things that you do at Laptop Magazine, and what big articles are coming out? You can check out uh, my Geek's Geek column at laptopmag.com slash Geek's Geek. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at, at, Geek, at, at Geek in Chief or on Google Plus under just searching for my name, Avon Pelch. And, of course, you can follow all of our coverage at Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. Uh, we've got some great articles coming up. We've got a tablet buyer's guide. Our yearly Lappy Awards are, are going up on the site this week, and so you'll see uh, what notebook we've awarded with the best keyboard, the best design, all the best things. It's like the Oscars for laptops, so you should check all those out at laptopmag.com. And you can find us on Twitter. We are Tech Night Owl. Tech Night Owl at Twitter. You can write us news at technightowl.com, news at technightowl.com, or visit our site, technightowl.com. What also is larger than it used to be is our forums at forum.technighthow.com. Once again, that's forum.technighthow.com. And check out our other radio show, The Paracast, about UFOs and things that go bump in the night at paracast.com. That's paracast.com. From us here at the Tech Night Owl Live, a special thank you to Avram Pilch for joining us this week. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.